so vague. Is that the word? I don't know. Vague? Cloudy. It's been cloudy, not in a good way. How's cloudy equal to vague? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's been one of those weeks. Of course, I'm like, I don't know, like personal life weirdness, but mm. it's just like one of those weeks where you're busy. That's just everything you can do to like, I don't know, get stuff done, family taken care of. And then it's like, you're trying to get some sleep and then you just repeat it. And then like a week later, you're like, what did I even do? Yeah. I, I just, I'm just like, I'm frazzled. Yeah. This month has been not a good month. On August, a lot of different oh, levels. Oh, it was bad for me. August was bad. Professionally, personally, not, not like there's anything wrong. It's just <clears throat> so much going on. Kids starting school, yep. new stresses, old stresses. Uh, it's just been crazy. But anyway, I'm looking forward to fall coming up with cooler temperatures. And I don't know. I'll have to do something to make it seem interesting or different. What the fall? Yeah, I just I don't know. I need a I need a change. Go. We should we should just go be survivalists in the wilderness for a month. Yeah, <laughs> or a week. Nothing like a bunch of tech nerds going out in the woods thinking they could survive. Yep. <clears throat> well, John, today is a very special day. It is. It's Wednesday. It's the last day of the month. Or no, no, tomorrow's the last day of the month. But it's end of month. I thought today was the last day of the month. No, this is the thirty first. There's a 31st. <clears throat> oh, that you were fancy new mute button would have came in handy right there. I would have. Jeremy got my mute button. We haven't hooked it nope. up yet, though. But pretty soon I'll be able to mute. Yeah. I say all sorts of bad things. I got John a mute button for his birthday because today's his birthday. Happy birthday, John. Yay. I don't have an applause track. Sorry. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Yeah, I'm old. Here we go. Happy birthday, John. Happy birthday, John. John's 40 years old. The big 4 You're pretty. You're pretty loose with that number. You've been telling everyone my age. <laughs> well, hey, I, I hit it a few weeks, uh, a few months ago, so it's only fair that... I know you're older than me by a I'm, month or I'm, two. I'm superior to you. I'm your senior, sir. You will address me as such with respect <laughs> that <laughs> whatever... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so John is 40. I got, yeah, you, yeah. I got you some presents. You did. <laughs> we went and had a... Uh, a mute button. I don't, I don't know what that says that you got me a mute button. Like, you just you don't want to hear me sometimes? I told you I want you to mute your face. <laughs> <laughs> and a thermometer. Where am I supposed to stick that? <laughs> if, you're, if you're not feeling so well, just, you know, take a quick, take a quick check. <laughs> just make sure you're okay. I got John a, th- a thermopen, and anyone who's into uh, cooking and accurate and quick thermometer checks will appreciate that. Yeah, so I'm hoping to use it today. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm actually not 100% today. I think yesterday I really started feeling bad. I don't know if it was a, I, I still haven't decided. Is it allergies? Is it a cold? Or what is it? But seeing as you're feeling somewhat the same way, I'm starting to lean towards cold. Really? Like there's something going around. Yeah, I hope not. Because I definitely feel I got like the sore throat and headache, and I'm tired, and I don't know. Yeah, I think that's part of why I'm feeling weird today. Yeah, I'm tired, congestion, all that kind of stuff. So this is going to be a, I don't know, a weird show. I think not much energy in the room. Yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of you know slower pace. It's uh, down down key. Is that, is that I thing? just I just learned something. Okay. I share a birthday with Warren Buffett. So screw you, all you you 
those people that like are into astronomical science, because I'm certainly not a Warren Buffett if I share the same birthday. The stars did not align to make <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me super rich. <laughs> you, did, you didn't play your cards right, apparently. Yeah. Maybe maybe I had to be like down to the minute or something. I don't know. Mm. Jeez. Yeah. Well, so we have. You said that we have some. Uh, yeah, we, we have some, some we have feedback some, or something. We have uh, three topics from the community uh, and a review. Okay, good. Uh, what about is there any is there any news or I mean, like, what have you been working on? What's uh, uh, you know, it, there's nothing interesting going on with with the, what I'm working on right now. I, I think soon I will have some interesting things to talk about because I'm about to embark on some new adventures. Um, so, you know, maybe someday soon, once I gain that experience, I'll get to talk about that. But, um, yeah, it, lately, like I said, it's, it's been a weird month. I've been having to get out there and hustle a bit more, you know, do the, the steak and hooker thing, mm, oh, shake fun. hands and talk to people and I don't know. Grease palms. Grease palms. <laughs> you know, ask them to sign SOWs. Please, sir, can I have some money? Yeah. <laughs> I started a, a new project a f- few weeks ago that I, I don't think I talked about, but I probably will as time goes on because um, it's not a small one. But it's, it's uh, there is a Salesforce component, but there's also, I mean, the main bulk of the project for me is a, um, it's a, oh, on the back end will be like a, a Java Spring Kotlin, you know, kind of back end with again a bunch of Spring stuff, some interesting security. Like I'm going to be implementing basically a, um, I mean, I, not near, not near as rich or customizable, but a security model similar to Salesforce. So like mm-hmm. profile based security, um, kind of row level security based on some kind of hierarchical profiles and things like that. Um. But and in the middle still, of it, you'll grow a new appreciation for Salesforce and not having to deal with that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I appreciate Salesforce most when you, I guess when you set up these projects, but because that's where, I think that's where like, you know, with Salesforce, I mean, the, where Salesforce wins is like the the zero to five minute app. Okay, you win Salesforce, right? Because it's already set up. <laughs> um, well, no, they don't win. Um, app <laughs> Systems wins. Do they? Oh, that's right. The <laughs> platforms. Yeah. But there's, I, I don't know, once you, I think once a project is already established and it's, it's you know, needs to scale to a large project with multiple developers and concurrent development and multiple, you know, environments and CI and, and all mm-hmm. kinds of that's when, that's when you kind of, Salesforce gets left in the dust. At least the Salesforce platform, not Heroku, which is whatever, <laughs> the broader app cloud. <laughs> Yeah, but no, it's it's been really fun so far. I'm really enjoying it. I'm um I'm doing some of this in Kotlin, which is a uh, a language that I believe the IntelliJ. No, is that what their, is that their company? IntelliJ, JetBrains. JetBrains, thank you. I'm like, is it IntelliJ? Is it Idea? Is it? And I don't know what the, all these words mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's what. But yeah, no, yeah, the JetBrains people. Um, and I've kind of had my on Kotlin for gosh, I, it seems like at least a couple of years now. Um. But I kind of, uh, you know, and I didn't, I hadn't really done a real project. I just kind of played with it, or not even really played with it, just kind of look at it. I've, I've been admiring it from afar. But, you know, as of Java 8, which this is also my first real, I would say, good-sized Java 8 project, even though Java 8's been around for a year or two now. I just haven't done a lot of, a significant Java project in probably two years, maybe? Or not a rusty. new one. Um, but, I mean, Java 8 added some real niceties. I mean, these... these um, kind of a lot of functional stuff. These streams, which are kind of hard to explain because they're not like stream streams or a different kind of stream. They're more of a functional stream. Mm-hmm. Added um, 
uh, lambdas. So it just makes Java a lot more pleasant to work with. Um, Plus you go back to having generics. <clears throat> oh yeah, I mean just, <clears throat> well, <laughs> packages, namespaces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a switch statement. <laughs> they, have, um, they have the var concept in Java too, don't they? Everything is just a generic var, whatever the assignment is, the compiler figures it out. C sharp added that and I love the hell out of it. Uh I don't I don't think Java has that exact I forget what that's called, concept. but I just say the var. Yeah, what do you um inferred uh, variable or something? Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. I, I don't even I don't I don't think so. I don't think it's got that concept. So that's one thing it kind of lacks, although I don't know how they would I mean that's that's a, the good and bad thing about Java. It's such an established language. It's been around mm-hmm. for what, twenty five years or something like that. Um, so it's got some baggage, but I, th- I feel like overall they've done a good job of evolving Java forward. There's been a, there's been, I would say spans of years where I felt like it, it, I think most people thought it was too slow. Like it took way too long to get lambdas, you know, mm-hmm. as an example. And there's things people don't agree with, like the way they added generics. They have, um, um, uh, they implemented generics via what's something called type erasure. And this is going to get really nerdy, but yeah. Instead you, of whereas whereas .NET has reified generics. Tangent. Do Do you remember when we uh the the last Java project we worked on together, uh, we were handing it off to another team because we did the initial development, and they came back and said <laughs> our code didn't compile. Yeah. Well, why was why <laughs> it was, was because that? we were using generics and they had never seen generics oh, before. Yeah. And they're like, this is not Java code. What are they doing? Yeah. They're idiots. And we're like, dude, update your damn compiler. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I love that story. Yeah, well, no, we'll just, we'll just uh, you guys write the code, the initial code, and then we'll, we're going to just offshore it, okay? Yeah, that, that'll work. What could possibly go wrong? That'll work, right? <laughs> uh, um, what was I saying? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Basically, at this point, Java is really great. I mean, for me anyway. One thing that still bothers me is there is no, that you know, they don't really have. There's not first class properties, right? So you, the way you implement properties is is via getters and setters, which is not that big of a deal. But a lot of times, maybe even I mean, it depends on your code. But I was sharing a lot of code bases. Like the majority of of the you know properties, so, so called or Java, you know, the mm-hmm. like Java bean properties are really just. There's no logic in the getter and setter. They're simply returning you the the private field and getting the private field. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, instead of having to declare the private field, declare the and then you know define the getter and define the setter, you just want the automatic storage. Like give me the right. automatic thing, right? And that's when you know Kotlin has that, Groovy has it, um, Apex has it. Got to got give credit where credit's due. It's not it's not often that we have, we get to say that Apex has something. Though. They didn't. No. I see. I it like, was all getter setter methods, and then like a I think like two releases later or two oh, years later they really? added that. Yeah. And it got really confusing, and because because some people were still doing it the old way, and I preferred I preferred the the automatic. And eventually, everyone started using the automatic. But yeah, there was a time where it was it was really kind of confusing. Yeah. That's fine. I forgot you would, about that. You would you you would say get name, and then in your Visual Force page, you would just put name. Well, because they're using the kind of the Java Bean process. In fact, they're probably using a, one of the Bean utils, you know, Java mm-hmm. classes that 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 gives you info on the class at runtime in terms of like what are its properties. Because if you, if you define a method or a method called get Bean, then the Bean utils will tell you that oh, there's a property called Bean. You know, it knows mm-hmm. how to look for that. Yeah, that naming. It's just a naming convention. And I know both of them are somewhat magic, but. I think the getter setter and then having to not put get in front of it was too much magic. I'm like, that's way too confusing hmm. to me. Yeah. It is a little magic-y. 
But yeah, that's the that's the one thing that I really wish uh, Java would get is some better prop, you know, some kind of properties support. Mm. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's that's a fun project. Um, I'll, I'll I'll probably talk about that a little bit more as time goes on. But otherwise, yeah, nothing nothing really new for me. I don't think I'm kind of rolling off some projects and and ramping these other couple others up. So I'm excited about that. Um, I only had really one, maybe one or two topics. They're just small things, but it was okay to go ahead and get into yeah, those. Okay. Let's go for it. So, um, pretty interesting. Someone posted in the Slack the other day. By the way, uh, Slack's been quiet. I think everyone's been. I think everyone's been in the mode we are. It's end of month. <laughs> Seems like it. Well, I don't. I think, I think, I think it's, it's end of summer. It's end of summer. Yeah. Kids are going back to school, and everyone's kind of worn out and ready to kind of. They're either worn out or refreshed or start. Probably it's a transitionary time. Yeah. I think. But uh, now someone posted. This a uh, link to this. There's a project called Apex Lambda. I saw that. Well, it's it's it, you got to be clear though. They call it <laughs> Lambda, but it's kind of like this this uh, I don't know ghetto Lambda. I don't know. What to, yeah, and and it's not Lambda, but it's attempting to kind of do what Lambda does. So let me just I guess preface by saying it, it's you know because I don't want the whoever the author is to to think we're you know uh, he's done something wrong here because no no she no just, yeah. they they haven't but um. You know, you by the name of it, you'd expect to find yeah, but some either. A, I, I don't. I don't look at that project and expect to see lambda expressions because that has to be built into the language, and it's not. And all we're trying to do is trying to create something that that gives us some of the same feature set. Well, okay, a lambda is not a feature. It's a lambda is not a feature set. A, a lambda, well, uh, just if you think kind of generically, or if I like think of the the other languages I know that have lambdas, it's simply a shortcut. For yeah. def- to, for defining essentially an anonymous method, right? Um, and I don't even I don't even see that here. It's it's weird. It's it's more of a it's kind of just like a couple of utility classes for and filtering down um, collections of things, right? Yeah. Doing things and 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 to that end, it's it's got some it's got some you know I guess some nice stuff. I think this is one of these things. I'll, a lot of people have this kind of stuff scattered across their code bases. Mm-hmm. Already, it's just you know some guy is promulgating this as a as a as a library. But uh, the other thing is, it talks about being functional. But I, I really don't think that's that even may be the the biggest misnomer mm. is it's not really it's not really functional. I mean, I I don't know how you call something functional. I think it might be inspired by function. You know, some functional um, ideas that have that have gotten really popular with, gosh, even things like JavaScript. But um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, JavaScript, Scala, uh, uh, Haskell, whatever. And I, th- I think inspired by is probably a better way to describe all of it. Inspired by Lambda, inspired by functional. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, you're really limited by Apex, but it reminds me of, um, oh, uh, things like, you know, the Apex, any, whether it's from Salesforce or others, you know, like mocking libraries or unit of work libraries, some of these other things. It's just, Apex is such a limited languages a language that uh, it just makes all of these things just not fun to work with. Now, way too laborious, way too difficult to work with, way too um, verbose and error prone, and mm-hmm. uh, it just it, it, they're almost not worth using. I mean, I've but you know, but thing, I think it depends on what your use case is. I, th- I think if you're just building off a building a bunch of one off triggers here and there, some scattered out you know automation routines here and there, I don't think it's it's good for that. But I think if you're building an application or some kind of like massive feature set that, that's kind of encapsulated, 
and you have have a team of developers, it it could help in that environment, kind of make sure that everyone's being consistent with what they're doing and, you know, kind of solve some needs as well. I'm not talking about this in particular. I'm just talking about the the idea of these kind of modules or frameworks, whatever you want to call it, that people are basically trying to take these concepts that exist in other languages and bring them to Apex, either because they're familiar with them or because they, they feel they solve a certain problem. But, but I think a lot of those, a lot of their utility comes from being inside a very, uh, I don't know, contained in a, in a specific bubble, I guess. Yeah. In their own bubble, which, yeah. which to me is, is an app exchange product or a managed package. I think trying to use them as a, like in your org, just kind of sitting there, I think that's problematic. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to benefit you. Yeah. All right. I think it ends up bloating it more than anything. There, there are. I mean, there are uh, some nice things in this library. So again, I don't want to. It's pretty cool. And this, this person's. I mean, they're in the. Like I said, they're in the kind of the same boat we all are, which is we're just. We've got this language that we have to work with, and we're yeah. trying to find ways to make it suck less. Um, but I did want to point out a couple of things. Um, if you look, um, it, there's the there's two sections of this project. One is just like this list manipulation thing, mm-hmm. but the other one was utilities, and he's got two here: Apex string. And optional. And it's interesting because these 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 are two completely orthogonal libraries that are grafted into this project. Now I want to add this is an ask John. Okay. John, why are these two utilities grafted into and embedded in this completely unrelated and orthogonal functional library for the Apex language? I didn't get I didn't look at it too closely. So I gotta think it has something to do with some of the Pairing down of data that's in the Lambda expression for queries that it fits in there. Um. So that uh, no. no. Okay. <laughs> uh, the reason is because there's no way there's no way to say that. Oh, my Lambda library it depends on Apex Stream and depends on optional. You just have to. You oh, just you're have talking to about put, why they're there's there's, okay. there's no packages. There's no there's no package system. Then there's there's no dependency resolution. You just do what everyone else does, and you jam it in there. So everyone's got their own version of Apex Stream. Everyone's yeah. got their own version of Optional. I get you know, what you're getting at now. It's you know just a, you're not asking me what the purpose of the utility. I mean, this is oh, a you're pra- asking me why this is a practical real example of of <sighs> the kind of stuff you end up with when you don't have the right utility you know facilities available in the system. And this is one that hurts. But you're, you're still trying to make the case for packages. And I, I still, I just don't think until Apex is a better language, I just think it's going to cause more problems than good. Well, and I'm, I'm, pro- I don't think I'm, I'm not smart enough to say which of these is more important or worse. Or like, is it, is, you know, because Apex is a, is a limited language, that means we shouldn't have other things. Well, it's not so much the language itself. It, it's a combination of the language and its, limit, and its limitations as well as the packaging system. I mean, those two coincide to create kind of a perfect storm where you get yourself in a state yeah. that you can't recover from. And, and, and you, can't, you can't really separate the package system from like this, like from a, like a publishing system, a, a central repository, and a dependency resolution system. You've got to do, you got to do all those as a part of a big project. And that's, you know, if you look at, like, for example, packaging 2.0, that they're, they're kind of de- dealing with that where it affects a lot of different things. And I've, I've, I don't remember what the number is, but I remember at the, at the packaging 2 talk, Mm-hmm. They were talking about how many different teams they had to work with just to in just to make what's currently in scope for package two just to make that work. They had you know they touched like all these different teams and yeah and different parts of Salesforce and it's and it's still really limited. You know it's not what it's definitely not you know I, f- I feel like <laughs> it's like grail. it's it's like the lightning of a <laughs> you know the way the way the lightning 
project itself is, is kind of slowly having to fold in these different things. And there's going to be like this half and half where it works here, but doesn't work here. And, you know, I think for years, at least with the DX project, we're going to kind of be in that halfway state. And then, and then we hope that at some point we're in a good place and it's not time to transition again. Got, got another example for you. I mean, I was looking in a code base the other day, pretty, pretty uh, big and uh, it, it looked actually somewhat, you know, I, I didn't spend a ton of time with it, but somewhat, somewhat well factored um, Salesforce code base. Actually, it was a few. It was a, a company's GitHub account, and I could, <coughs> I'm looking at various different mm-hmm. projects they've done. And a lot of them use the uh, financial force, I think it's the FF lib, the, you know, the mm. Apex patterns or the enterprise, 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 enterprise patterns, yeah. But the thing is, is like, you know, each of these projects has, you know, you could tell because it, it pulls in different parts of it or a, a different, different, there's different versions of it. Mm-hmm. And if you try to, and a lot of these are actually just kind of almost like plugins or things you can take and install into right. an org. But if you install, um, if you happen to need like a couple of these, you're going to, it's, it's going to fail because you're going to install a lot of them because a lot of them have that FFlib grafted into them. That mm. you know, when you're gonna install the second one, it's not gonna let you, or you're gonna overwrite with an in parts of an incompatible version. It's just again, without something like this, you just don't have reuse, you don't have good composable systems. And and things aren't, you know, things aren't architected as well. When you when you ha- say when you ha- when you tell yourself, okay, I'm gonna build this Apex string package, and it's gonna have, you know, it's gonna be these utilities utilities of Apex string things. You build it in just its own package, and because you're not building it in your Lambda package, you can't accidentally form a dependency, call a method, oh, I, you know, I, I, I've got this utility method in Lambda class, I'll just call it. Mm-hmm. You can't do that because it's not in the same package. But when you right. don't have a system like this, you kind of, you're allowed to do that. There's, there's no dependency management. There's not even private classes. I mean, you can define a class in private and Apex, but all that means is if you, what does that mean? If you have a private class in Apex, I mean the thing is, is all of all, it, 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 all it, the other classes in your org that are not managed can still see and form dependencies on them. Right. Basically, can't prevent anything from from forming dependencies. You have no control over dependency management, right? Even at the class level. Well, not, if it's private and it's within the namespace, you can see it. But if it's but you can't when it's when it's outside the package. Well, yeah, when it's outside the package, what's the difference between private and public? You can't see it. You can't use it. But let's say you. But when you package code, uh-huh. even public classes. I mean, you can see the name of it, but you can't see the code because of you know that's your that's your IP protection, or whatever. Right? They don't show right. You. But I think you can still create a dependency on it. Oh, that's right. You're right. You can. You can call yeah. methods. You can call into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Or no, it does have to be global for it to do that. Uh, maybe I'm thinking global. See, that's why I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. But public and private. Anyway. Uh, oh well, I'm really sauce for sector, huh? <laughs> That's one of those things. I gosh, I have to look that up. I can't remember now. It, it's just it's August. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm always going to add. You know, again, don't get me wrong. I totally agree with you. Apex, it's, it really needs to be either replaced with a an actual you know uh, language that that people don't hate according to the Stack Overflow survey, or or we really need to improve it a whole lot. I mean, I I'd really just rather replace it with with another. Language that has a big ecosystem like Java or C Sharp or Python or Ruby or something, because we're if that were to happen, we would overnight get access to the wealth of that platform's 
uh, libraries that are available. True, but wouldn't that mean that when it comes to being able to custom or build custom solutions on on the platform that Salesforce would have to kind of switch the model and make it more like a Heroku model where you're you're paying for CPU time versus hosting the code? Because I, I think why couldn't, they, thing, why couldn't they still have the same types of um because well, of, of of governor limits? They're still running it. It's still running on their platform. I don't know. I, th- I think so. They know how many queries you're doing. They know how much CPU time you're taking and all that stuff. They know how much memory you're you've allocated. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I I'm, think I think the way you're viewing it as is, is that there's this you you write code and you code against some kind of API and then they're able to limit what you do based on that API. I, I I'm I don't even know if I got I don't even know if I've thought through or I intended to to. Well, I, I have. How they would I've tried to think that. about how, well, how they could have, put that in like, the system. For, for this conversation, I'd, I'm, not, I'm not implying like how they would run it. Would it run on the platform or would it kind of run on a separate platform that they let you call into the via API of the main? I don't know. I'm saying like you know, however Salesforce wants to figure that out. But it, it would just be nice if however they did it, we, it was one of these languages, again, that has a big ecosystem that we'd, we, we'd immediately get access to just this, this wealth of, of libraries and functions and things. .NET Core, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll take it, man. I will absolutely take it. It won't happen. Well, it, well, it depends because <laughs> the two most popular languages out there are C sharp and and uh, and uh, Java. Yeah, Java, uh, and those are both competitors, Microsoft and Oracle. Yeah, so I don't think we'll see that. Yeah, I know Python would be a good choice. Yeah, I was, I was going to say probably Python. I think is the next, the third popular or something. Yeah. And with all the AI people at Salesforce, I mean, Python's a pretty popular language amongst that group. So would you be happy doing Python instead of Apex? Oh, absolutely. I, I like Python. <laughs> I've, I think I've maybe cut my teeth on a few Python scripts, but nothing nothing major. I've never built anything real with it, I yeah. think. No, I really like Python. But much I prefer Python over it's Ruby. It's functional, right? Be. It's got, I mean, it's, 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 it's multi-paradigm. It's got definitely... Uh, let me think about this. Yeah, it is. I guess it would keep functional. I think functional. It's, it's functional, are, but they added some object-oriented stuff to it, didn't they, recently or something? It, a, okay, I don't know when Python added object-oriented, but it's had it as long as I can remember, which is at least like 10 or 15 years. So, okay. But um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely got a functional side. I mean, I think functions, you can, you know, very composable. So I, I would consider it functional. Certainly got like a lot of functional libraries and things like that, so... Um, but it's got yeah, it's got a massive library again, especially like statistics. That's that's kind of the one of the reasons I originally got into Python is just a lot of um, statistical mm-hmm. stuff that's built into it, and in a lot of ways actually performs better than Java. Java's always had um, performance issues with like transcendental functions, which you kind of get into when you get into some fun number stuff. All right, well that was that. Um, yes, everyone check out that Apex Lambda. It does it does have some you know it's got a few, few nice things for just man- manipulating, filtering down, kind of doing you know MapReduce type stuff on your on your collections. I think it maybe is it just lists that it works on. I guess it is, but that's you know I'm not sure why it wouldn't be on. Collection well, I, th- I thought it had some like built in query mechanisms, and it would. It was just wondering is it, is it just is it just lists or is it also sets or or just collections in general? You know I don't know, but. Worth taking a look at. If 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 for nothing else, you know, copy and paste some of the parts you like into your into your own code base. Since we don't have packages, <laughs> also you know the utility part of it too. They got optionals. Have you ever have you ever worked with a language that had optionals? I don't think so. Explain it to me, sir. Oh gosh. So it's the idea that 
basically nothing nothing works with you know accepts or returns something that can be null. It's just everything oh. is optional. Optional. So if something is null, you can on the optional you can call like I can't remember what the method's called. But it's called like is has value or something like that. And if it's not, then it's null. And then you but then you have to call get on it to actually get the value. I don't know. Mm. And then you got this again this apex string, uh, like utility class or something. All right. Um, I only had one more. Do you want to? You want to do a topic? No, I like your topics better. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is not really a topic. I just saw it in the news, so it's fine. I just think it's funny. Target. This headline yesterday. Target. This is a a, a pretty big retail store mm-hmm. in the United States for just for international people. Um, yeah. Is that re- retail store? Kind of yeah. like a Walmart, except not quite as big and not as trashy, but nicer. Yeah, it's considered the upscale Walmart yeah. in the area. So Target is plotting a big move away from Amazon Web Services. Why would that be, John? <laughs> so ask John. It's expensive. Because <laughs> Amazon's getting so much into retail, buying Whole Foods and 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 setting up brick and mortar stores. And, and people, a lot of people think that's just the beginning. Well, I'm, I'm actually, I, I have a steadily growing fear of not only Amazon, but Google as well. They have this new TV service, and as you know, I'm trying to trying to cable cut here. And I, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? They know all my browsing habits, and now they're going to know my viewing habits. I already Amazon already knows way too much about me as as it is, and I'm just concerned. I don't know if that's just the I don't know the conspiracy theorist in me or something, but I just it's just way too much. They know these two companies, or maybe three, since I'm an Apple guy. These three companies know way too much about me. I don't like it. So there's the privacy part, which is really going to be more and more of a problem. <laughs> And then there's the, if we all just use Amazon as our just default, oh, you know, you just, anytime you want to get anything, you just go to amazon.com and you buy it because it's on Prime. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get it in a couple of days. It's not going to cost you shipping. We'll, and all that we'll stuff, end right? up fat people on a spaceship somewhere, like by and large. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need titles that, that aren't offensive, John. <laughs> Um, no, but when you when, when that becomes everyone's default, and we're just all buying everything from Amazon, like a bunch of dummies that don't think, then what's going to happen? Well, Amazon's going to become this big, untouchable Borg that can do whatever it wants, has all your data, knows everything about you, can essentially charge you whatever price you want because there's no competition. Yeah, it's it's Amazon is getting to be an unhealthy we're starting to become get an unhealthy market here this is not a yeah. this is not a healthy free marketplace i don't think i mean we're we're getting pretty close to just you know globally approved i don't know approved by default monopolies yeah yeah so i mean it's just there's just enough little there's just enough competition to keep them from being considered a monopoly or or you know the right people haven't gotten together to sue them that's the thing. Are they even close to a monopoly, though? I mean, there's there's still plenty of other retailers that I mean, I'm sure Amazon is. It's they're probably not even fifty percent of retail sales. There's not. They're probably not even close to that. I don't know. I mean, the, the, we got we what? got we got the holidays coming up, and and we'll, we'll see the numbers. I mean, every now, year, certain year segments, over year, they, they they go down. So certain segments, they they probably have them more than a more than half of the business, like books. They probably do, right? Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. Although uh, is it Barnes and Noble? I think they're they're still they're still around, and they still they'll still open up a store here and there, which is interesting. And they are they are still just the runaway cloud provider. Hey, Amazon. I mean, I think yeah. they're bigger than like the next three combined, and that's even with all the growth that. Who are the big growers? Um, Ad, uh, Azure. That's the biggest mm-hmm. one. Who's third? Um, I can't remember. But then it just really tails off, you know, fast. 
but yeah, now Target's moving away just because you know they and they, apparently they've got a ton of their stuff on AWS. But it's like now now Amazon's becoming their competitor all this you know all of a sudden mm. in, in a physical at physical retail. And so you can't be doing all this business with your competitor, right? So now we've got know. this. Now we've got this big everyone's pants are on fire project to get everything off of AWS. Where are they going to go? Just Azure. Then they can build out their own cloud. There's other smaller clouds out there. I think that you know they might be able to, to move to. Who are, the, who are the top IaaS providers, John? I don't know. Amazon, Microsoft, Oracle, maybe. Do they? I mean, they they have their own cloud for hosting their own stuff, right? I mean, Oracle's so new. I can't imagine there. Let's see. Um, you know, Amazon, DigitalOcean. They're, they're they got to be small. You got Rackspace. Rackspace. They're they're that's, I think they're really small too. Let me consult the uh, the Magic Quadrant. And yeah, never mind. There's too many ads on this page. <laughs> <laughs> Linode. That sounds familiar. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, these are all small. I mean, they're just all small. Anyway, so are you at all afraid of of just these three companies or these these top companies just monopolizing? Well, I'm. I definitely think. I mean, again, being the free market loving libertarian that I am. Uh, I like it when we have fr- actual free markets. Unlike our healthcare, we've never had a free market for healthcare. That's why it never worked very well. Um, but w- you know, and a free market that that is, is self-regulating. I mean, the the players that do the best are, are are rewarded, and the ones that don't do as well are punished. And consumers have a lot of choice, and you just don't need that much actual regulation. The the you know, the less healthy healthier market is. That's one reason why insurance is so regulated. Right is because it just you know next thing you know you'll have like one insurance company that owns them all or something mm-hmm. and then you know you don't have a market anymore and so I want to, there to be a good that's why we that's why there's this all this controversy over um, you know net neutrality and why people think that we have a need for the government <laughs> to tell us what's neutral and what's not because I mean how many how many options do you have for internet service? One. I have basically one. <laughs> yeah, basically one. I mean, you could toss in the and even the if you have two even if you have two, that, that's there, not but, competition either. Yeah, they're they're government approved. I have a government approved a monopoly over my cable, and I have a government approved monopoly over the copper to my house, the twisted pair. That those, those are my two government approved monopoly choices, and they're both horrible. I totally overpay. It's first, insane. First my, problem, my, Jeremy, my cable modem, broadband. my cable modem is one hundred twenty-five dollars. Listen to this. <laughs> this is why this is why we actually need re- either regulation or to, or we get things more competitive. My government-approved cable modem internet service is one hundred twenty-five dollars, which includes a penalty because I don't buy cable TV from them. Oh yeah. Now let me ask you this: If I had the choice of ten cable companies in my house, would they be able to charge me a penalty for being a bad, bad customer who didn't buy their TV? Hell no, they wouldn't be able to get away with that. So, but even the regulation we have doesn't work that well. It just doesn't work that well. It it prevents them from doing like super egregious things, but not like run of the mill egregious things. They get away with them all the time, and there's just nothing anyone can do. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've lost you, huh? You're just like whatever. Jeremy's ranting about <laughs> markets and. Economies and I'm out. <laughs> no, I mean I, I'm concerned. I, I'm passionate about it. It's just I don't know. I just th- th- there's only so much I can do. I'm not, I'm not I'm not this guy that's going to go out there and do protests and 
and create petitions and and try to become a senator to solve the problem. I'm just this guy no, who's no, like, of course not. We're, we do we do a podcast. I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a consumer <laughs> like anyone else who goes. You know what? This is getting kind of creepy. What are my options? Because I I don't think I want to. I don't want to go down this road. Uh, it's too creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, I thought that load code article that someone posted today was interesting. You know, I didn't get a chance to to dig into it. It doesn't um, really say much. I I think it, the Appian, oh, oh. I guess, is the one that that kind of put this survey or uh, what's the word? Or whatever. No, I guess it was um, kind of a survey, right? They didn't. They, it they was a survey, survey, but they sponsored it. That's yeah, the word I'm looking okay. for. They sponsored it, to, and um, and it, you know, it shows. Well, it shows them being the top player, of course, and then Salesforce App Cloud being the <laughs> Gee, second player. Is that how? Is it, wait, man, is that how you work? If you sponsor um, um, Gartner's Magic Quadrant, is it? <laughs> I, don't I, I, I don't know. I mean, w- would would they have published it and made it public if they were the second and Salesforce was first? Oh, I don't like know. maybe the only reason it, it's out here and for us to even see is because. They're they're on the top. One thing I thought was interesting is uh, um, again I did not read it, but I kind of just looked at the p- pretty pictures. How many? What the high, relative high percentage of people that look at sales look at Salesforce is by the way their app cloud. Yeah, <laughs> which is that's Heroku, but that's not low code. I know. So why? So why are we talking about app cloud here? <laughs> well, technically, I guess technically the app cloud is is also their platform. Yeah, it's back to even the I mean Salesforce employees I've talked to, they're like, oh my god, and they're just like. They're so irritated that they <laughs> they came up with the third app cloud because it's no one knows what it means. No, um, but uh, not the percentage of people that that looked at Salesforce as a low code option and just and then fight, and ultimately were like, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we we could we could sit here and focus on that and say people looked at it and said, but the the, the numbers, if you look at the chart, I mean, it's all between 30 percent as a whole evaluated one of these tools and decided not to go with it. And you would think, okay, well, that means that someone's winning out overwhelmingly. But no, I mean, it's the numbers at the top are 22 and 19% of people that actually implemented one of these platforms. And the other ones are around the 20% that say they are. So there's still an overwhelming rejection of these tools. Companies are going, you know what, are we going to, let's look at this. They say it's going to save us time and development time. And we're going to do this and this and this. And I think they look at it and go, you know, there's too many trade-offs here for us. Yeah, I mean, again, right tool for the job. Whether it's whether you're looking at some tool like, uh, you know, process builder, or whether you're looking at a whole platform like, like the Salesforce, you know, what do you call it now? The Force.com platform, the Salesforce One platform, the App Cloud platform. I don't know what to call it, <laughs> but is it is Salesforce the right thing for your um, giant e-commerce site? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You know, is it the right thing for your iOS game? Definitely, I would say not, right? I mean, some things just don't make sense. Like, you know, is it the right thing to, if you're developing uh, firmware for your device? Probably not, because I don't, you, you know, I don't know how you're going to, I don't know how you're going to get a runtime on there. So it just, again, it's, you know, or do you, you need, do you need some way that, you know, business people can kind of create, you know, create and maintain the customer, some, some logic so your, your department can get its business done and, and, you know, track its, uh, creepily track its customers through their, what do they call it? The, um, the little maze they watch you on uh, your uh, your journey. Oh, <laughs> they can yeah. spy on you on your journey. And know every time you click something, every time every website you go to. If that's what you need, then yeah, maybe Salesforce is the right platform for you. That's just the right tool for the job. I think and, in general, these tools target you know larger companies who want to get something quick to market, and you know they they have this idea. It they're and they're not looking to build you know a, a ton of new infrastructure for it, and so these kind of tools probably help them get there. But I think anyone who's trying to build out any kind of real software or anything, they're they're 
they're growing it themselves. They're home growing it. Yeah. A lot of them are. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know too many startup plans that are starting with, you know, Hey, we're going to build this on Salesforce and sell it. And cause well, that, cause that's the people that are trying to, um, uh, that trying to sell to Salesforce's customer base. That's when you right, that, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you know that that situation is better served when you're trying to you know supplement the feature set of Salesforce and you're trying to provide something to that customer base. But if you're just trying to go out there and build some random product that has nothing to do with Salesforce, I don't think there's a large market there of people going, "Oh yeah, I'm going to go build this on Salesforce." Yeah, no. I mean, <clears throat> again, show me a database.com customer ever. Yeah. And I mean, that might be the the fallacy in all these tools that they're just too open ended. There, there, there's not there's nothing there to really kind of hang the hat on it's just this open-ended thing with a bunch of limitations because i mean that's what you get with low code you have the trade-offs are you get you get half of it pre-built but then you have to work within the limits of that system so um i remember looking at it was i think it was one of those that's, that's on that list they were i thought they were a pretty decent sized one and uh it was uh it was a low code platform but it was unlike salesforce it didn't come with um like a a, a world-class crm system i mean they did have some apps that you could add to it. Like they did have their mm-hmm. own CRM app. It's probably not as good as Salesforce or whatever, but um, but it was a low code thing. But what's cool about it is, is and I was asking them, um, I think I was like using, I was using their chat thing and I asked them, well, what happens when, you know, I I hit the limit of your low code and they're, and they're like, actually, oh, well, do you prefer Java or .NET? And I was like, well, I prefer Java. And they said, oh yeah, well, in that case, you know, here's here's how you do it. You know, we have this Java runtime and you can, I'm like, oh, wow, that's like awesome, you know? <laughs> and that's when I'm like, Salesforce, please do something like this. I needed that mm. escape hatch. And and don't tell me, you know, to do it on Heroku. Heroku is on the other side of the world. It has nothing to do with Salesforce other than the fact that Mark Benny, I've got a wild hair up his butt to buy it five years ago. But what is the trade-off when you, when you do that? Is there, is, do you start paying CPU time? Do you, what, what's, how do you, or? How, how do they bill for that? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't remember the details of billing. But, but there, there was a cost associated to doing that. It came, it came with it. I mean, I, I, I don't think. I think it was the same model. Whatever their billing model was, I don't know if it was. I don't. Th- I don't even think it was. They can't give that for free. We can't get to. I didn't 10 say it was for we free. We can't get to twenty billion. The same billing model for the, free. Yeah, I don't know. Well, go if you're that interested in them. Go look them up. <laughs> I don't have every detail of how they bill, but no. I, I guess. I guess. My, I guess. I. I. I'm. I'm a broken person, and my frustration is that every time there is a solution to, to a problem like this, where we're like, oh, the low code platform can support that, and you can do that here. And here's the cost. You know, it, it always feels like there's just this constant addition, addition to that just kind of, it wears on you. Yeah. And it's hard as, as, as an architect to go in and, and, and architect these solutions and say, okay, Salesforce has an answer for that. It's this, and let, let's incorporate that. It's not that easy because now we have to go, well, yeah, but it's an extra 20 grand a year per license or something. I'm making numbers up, but. Oh, no, that's that's a very real situation. I mean, I'm I'm working on a project right now that will save about $100,000 a year in license costs mm. because of the way we're doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, that's the hard part because, you know, the AEs will come and say, yeah, we have an answer for that. It's this, it's this, and this. And then we go into the architecture and we talk about it and we start talking about how we're going to need these features enabled. And, and we we tell the client, you're going to have to work with the AE. It You know, this feature is, it doesn't come with your license. It's an extra cost. And they're like, well, how much is it? And I'm like, we'll talk to your AE, negotiate, do this. The Salesforce has got to fix this whole talk to your AE and negotiate and all this stuff. I mean, I think the this most, needs the, to be more. It needs to be more like every other cloud provider, which is you just use the service. You just flip a switch; it's on, or you hit an you flick an API endpoint, and it enables the service. Like I don't have to call Amazon when I want to when I want to create a new 
S3 bucket or use some more storage or yeah. use one of their new services. They they got to quit. If they're going to be, if they, again, if they want to be a cloud company and we've, you know, you can go yeah, back. About I this, mean, yeah. this is one of the things I talk about. I'm like, so many, in so many ways, Salesforce doesn't act like a cloud company. It's, it doesn't feel like cloud. It feels like Oracle yeah. and not the new Oracle. It feels like the old Oracle. Right. Yeah. The whole, you know, and negotiating and talking and trying to work out the and deal. And locking you in. And, I mean, yeah. who locks you in? And like, again, I know with like with AWS and probably Azure, you you can do a big bulk buy if you know that you're just going to yeah. be running like mega amounts over the next year. Well, why not? If you know you're going to run that on Microsoft, well, sure, negotiate with them. Like, get a better rate. Like, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Salesforce, I mean, it, it's not that you're trying to negotiate a better rate. It's just like you, Salesforce, whatever you want to do, even it could be just uh, you know 30, 30 users, they still want to lock you into that for, and, and for multiple years at that. It's like, this is not cloud. I mean, I should be able to, eat, oh, I'm, I just, I just uh, lost five employees, scale immediately down to 25 users, and immediately I'm paying less. But no, you can't, you can't do that. Well, I think, I think some I think there are some tools, but I don't think it's 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 as easy as oh, I want to start using this feature, so you let me just turn do that this on. With Salesforce, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I would like to see that that kind of shopping cart mentality, but I just it's just tough when you're trying to design solutions and you and you you know that there's options out there, but it's hard for you to kind of recommend the Salesforce option because you know it's it's such an extra cost. I don't, and I don't even mind the cost. I mean, I I don't mind. Uh, paying Salesforce what Salesforce is worth. I mean, Salesforce is a, um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot of functionality there and it's it's valuable and they've built a a big, capable, and competitive system. Um, I don't mind paying them. I mean, there's, don't get me wrong, there's certain products I think are, you know, more, more expensive than they should be and, and whatever. And mm-hmm. I may decide, or it may be my opinion that something is not worth it or whatever. That's, and that's my, that's, we're, this again, we're, we're, we're all just actors in a free marketplace. That's, that's what we should be doing. And, and yeah. Salesforce uses that feedback. Well, crap, no one's buying away. Well, let's cut the stupid 40 grand a year platform fee then. Didn't they do that or, you know, whatever. Yeah, but that's not I mean, the argument I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to argue that that we shouldn't have to pay for this or anything like that. I guess I'm arguing at the tactics, you know, they, the AEs will come out and say, oh yeah, we got an answer for that. It's this. It's connect. It's this. It's this. But they don't ever really get into the cost. Uh, yeah, our answer is Heroku. They, they don't get into the how, how, you know, how the cost starts to compound. You know, they're so quick to get you in the license and they say, oh, yeah, we got that. It's connect. And then the client comes to us and I'm like, well, yeah, but okay, we'll, we'll get the license. You need to talk to your EE about provisioning the license. And, that, and then in that, in that conversation, the cost comes up. And don't forget about the fact that oftentimes you're, you end up battling the AE because they're just, they're trying to sell stuff, sell as much stuff as they can. And whether it's yeah. appropriate for the client or not, it's like, they're just selling, selling, selling. I mean, dude, I mean, it's, we're now fastest. We got to get to 20 billion. <laughs> Right. Well, fortunately, I don't, I don't have to do a lot of that, but I I do know a lot of people who are sales. I'm going to use air quote. Well, I'm not. You've, no, never, been a, you've never been in a situation where the customer has been oversold and missold because of what the AE wanted to sell. Uh, maybe, maybe. Okay. I mean, I've been in situations where customers have said, "Oh, we're going to use Connect," and I'm like, "Okay, wh- which one did you get?" And you know, what what are we going to do? And they haven't provisioned it yet. All they know is that Salesforce has this connecting that they can use. And I'm like, okay, well, you have to get the license for for me to to yeah, start what, configuring 20, it. 20, 40 grand a year, something like yeah, that. I think yeah, I think so. And you know. It's it's like that conversation never happened. They 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 heard there was a solution in Salesforce for it, and they and that was the end of the conversation for some reason. And then they they come back and and now they have to renegotiate. But that's not my point. My point is that I, I think you're right. I, I I do hear stories from salespeople who who say that you know they have to be really careful about having conversations with clients because the AE's there and they're there and they're trying to. I don't necessarily solution on the fly, but they're definitely trying to take the requirements or hear their conversation of what their needs are and try to. Listen, try to they're they're trained to pick up on 
keywords and ideas. And yeah. when, oh, if the customer says this, then that's how we could connect. If they say this, oh, that's marketing cloud. That's Pardo. That's, you know, they're just, they're looking for, every, right. you know, these little hooks everywhere they, everywhere they can get them. Yeah. And it, well, and, and the, the, the flip side to it is that, you know, you may have a shop who's, you know, well-versed in Pardop and maybe not marketing cloud. So, but the AE wants to sell marketing cloud. And yeah. so, you, you know, you're kind of in these weird situations. Just, I mean, to some degree, that's kind of just, that's this is just sales. This is how sales yeah. works, and I and I I get that. I mean, I'm you know, and these guys are just they're just salespeople trying to hit their nut. You know, I get yeah. it. I but on the other hand, it's like you know, again, Salesforce is supposed to be this young, hip, new cloud company, and they're simply not. <laughs> There's just it's not it's not a, it's not even the, the the architectural model is not cloud. The selling model is not cloud. You know, it's just there's not a whole lot that's cloud about it, except it's running on someone's server in Sunnyvale. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> not anymore it's uh it's all amazon now yeah. isn't it no there's very little bit that's amazon but <laughs> that would probably change over time anyway it's there well uh let's uh let's get to some of these topics okay stop talking nonsense with this news I don't know what I'm talking that, that about. That means you have to be ready to talk about these topics, John, if you're going to introduce, <laughs> the, if you're going to change the segment here. <laughs> I know. Well, the, the problem is, is I remember this one now that I that I looked at it, and um, I was going to paraphrase it. So this goes back to our Happy Clappy episode. Okay. Um, so uh, we'll, I, I want to try not to get too big into the weeds on this one, because I, I felt we covered that pretty well in the last one. But uh, this was more just some reaction to that to that episode. Um, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this, because I don't, I don't want to give away too much about who this person is because uh, they did ask to be anonymous. And I feel like there's some things that were mentioned here that could give it away. But either way, you know, I I wasn't sure if I was going to get myself in trouble or not, but it seems like our conversation resonated a lot with a lot of people hmm. and that we're not alone in thinking that the Ohana is kind of getting a little overused. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem to be this I guess it depends on your perspective, but it doesn't seem to be this this community thing. It seems to be this branded PR stunt by Salesforce, and in and in that, what people are seeing or what they're focusing on is all the the Salesforce love, um, not seeing the individual contributions that people are making and how they're helping each other and how they're supporting each other. Once it got branded, I think people started to feel that corporate overtake of it, where it became this PR stunt where people could say how great Salesforce is. And and not necessarily representative of how the community feels about how they support each other. Okay, I'm trying to. I'm, it's hard for me to mentally parse through those two different things <laughs> what you said. But it kind of is, is it. Am I correct in understanding that it's become almost like a people are, um, you know, doing their best to demonstrate their devotion to the cause, and it's like yeah. everyone's trying to constantly one up another. And is that kind of it? Because that you know that's that's how I'm seeing this whole Ohana thing yeah. play out. Yeah, and so so I'm going to read this paragraph. It says, I found that user groups are, instead of what I believe to be customers and consultancies help, helping each other out and advising on best practice, actually just a back-scratching process of you come to mine and I'll come to yours. And partners are recruitment firms attending with the sole purpose of enhancing their careers and business. Uh, this person goes on to say, I'm now at the point of throwing in the towel and resigning from a position to such a shot where the sun doesn't shine. I, I couldn't hear that whole sentence because you're just laughing all the way through it. Say that again. Uh, the last part, I am now at the point of throwing in the towel and resigning from my position and telling SF or Salesforce to shove it where the sun doesn't shine. Okay. Um, why, and why is that just because people are trying to sell to each other? Or Well, this was, this was from this particular paragraph was addressing 
the user groups. So when you go to the user groups, you know, it's, it's, it's a community you can go and, and people share topics and they discuss things and, you know, those kind of things. Certifications are awesome. <laughs> Let's do a study group. But yeah, now it's becoming Okay, this. everyone raise your hand. How many new certifications did you get this month? Okay, let's start with one. One. Yay. Okay, now who got two? Yeah, yay. Now let's let's go around the room and tell tell a story about how certifications helped your life. <laughs> 30, 30 minutes of that. I don't John, wanna, 30 minutes of that. I don't want to bash on the user groups. I'm sure not all of them are like that, but there are there are apparently there are a few that uh that are all about the mantra of Salesforce and 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 those type of things. You know, how many badges do you get today? I've been, you know, I'm not I'm not bashing. That's just what they do. That's just what they're doing there. And um, I've been to lots of different types of user groups, business, technology, programming groups, all kinds of stuff. And this is really unique, uniquely annoying. I, I've he- I've heard similar feedback. Okay, I'm going to go on and read this second paragraph. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to try not to laugh through this. But you guys. I also let me just pause for sorry. I mean, okay. interrupt, but I have to get this in here at this moment. It, I'm also allergic to any kind of religious style revivals and things like that. You know, um, <laughs> or or like I don't know, any rah rah stuff, Amway conventions, and all just any of that kind of stuff. And again, yeah. nothing wrong with Amway or whatever. But those um, pump it up and feel and everyone. You know, there's just a lot of so you irrational. You don't like, enjoy Tony Robbins sessions. Walking on a coals. He's a different thing, and I, no, I, mean, no, again, are, I don't want to bash Tony Robbins either. I know those I've kind are of purely made, motivational. I mean, those are all about getting you hyped up and inspiring you, and all those kind of things. You know, t- t- Tony Robbins is one of these interesting. And I just as we keep we keep going on rabbit hole. There's like two sides to him, and and one of them I think is like super legitimate. Like this guy really has helped a lot of people, and he's mm-hmm. and he the way he changes his own life is ostensibly amazing. Um, but on the other hand. There's some stuff about him that's super weird that I'm just like, really? Anyway, so let's, sorry, we can pop the stack now. Let's pop the stack. Uh, so I'm just going to read this paragraph. I'm trying to slide through it. Uh, you mentioned about the community and Salesforce community on Twitter going on about Ohana. I'm personally sick of this crap being pushed from MVPs, SFs themselves. The, the person abbreviates Salesforce as SF, so that's what you're hearing. Uh, and anyone else trying to get in, air quotes, with Salesforce, that they are praising them and sucking up to them so much that they are basically sticking their posteriors uh, <laughs> so far in the air and seeing how far Salesforce can penetrate them. Oh, God. <laughs> it makes me sick I'm and gonna angry. I'm going to mark that just in case we decide we need to bleep that on. <laughs> it makes me sick and angry how much they are sucking up to them when the platform is full of bugs, bad practice, and shock- shocking bad rollouts of Lightning products that they cannot see it because their own eyes are so full of love for Salesforce. You know, one thing I noticed that, um, and it's a couple of people have pointed this out to me because I think I was kind of naive to it. Uh, this is a Trailhead DX. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the and once people pointed it out to me, I really I became I became able to now see this what's happening and the people that are on a that are waging an all out campaign for MVP, and it's annoying. Yeah. And I, I mean, is it obvious to say it's self-serving? I, mean, I guess everyone's trying to make their career better, but it's almost like this constant, it's kind of like a, a, a version of virtue signaling. Again, your, your uh, exuberant devotion to the cause, um, well, it, I, it's almost religious. It's just so weird, and it's, and it's so bald-faced. I think for some— And obvious I think and for transparent. Some, well, yeah, and, and you know— I'm not going to say I know everyone in the MVP program and I know how they got in because we don't. It's not something, it's not like you get in, they tell you exactly why you got in. Um, 
but I think I think some people because there's some mystery around the MVP program and what it is and and who's in it that they feel like the only way to get in is to really kiss Salesforce ass. And I don't the thing is I don't even I can't blame Salesforce for this because I don't think that's the case, is it? No, I don't think it's the case at all. When you're I'm just MVP, saying, just, right? Last time I checked. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you just got renewed, right? I don't I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> These last few episodes I might be I might be on the on the the S list. Have we been bad? Yeah. I don't know. If, okay. We've been honest. Well, I mean I'm su- I mean I'm surprised <laughs> anyone who's ever whatever who's ever been a host of this podcast would would not get rejected through the <laughs> Through the Salesforce filter of the MVP you know, vote counting process, but I think it's it's a broad program and it, and it and it reaches out to different elements of the community. So so it, it's a good mix of different types of people who contribute in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, but I feel like there's this misconception that you have to be this this cheerleader for Salesforce and that's how you become an MVP, and it's not. And so when I see that and I see those kind of campaigns, I'm like, it's kind of cringy to me. Yeah. Um, because they're 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 treating it like this popularity contest, and I. Not only do I not want it to be that, but it, as far as I can tell or see from my experiences, it's not. Um, so it's kind of frustrating. That's the way people view it. And and the, the other part of it is is I see it the same way, the, going the same road as, say, Twitter or Instagram or those kind of things, where it was this social media platform that people used in their own personal lives. And then it became this money-making thing. They came this, this thing to self-promote. Um, and I feel like, you know, some people are viewing the MVP program that way as a way to self-promote. And I, I just don't see it that way. I don't, I don't see clients going, oh, you're an MVP. Let me sign you on. I prefer they focus on certifications if they're going to f- focus on anything. Not that I, I don't really want them to focus on, on that either. But, yeah. you know, the MVP doesn't mean you know everything about Salesforce. No, it's not supposed to. But... <clears throat> so, I don't know. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, I guess you know you can. It's just safe to say that there, there is this strain of um, over, over, overhyped like excitement that's again thinly veiled self servants. So you know, and that is becoming is becoming annoying. It's starting it's starting to bother even people who aren't usually bothered by this type of thing. I, I think I think as soon as Salesforce branded it, that's when it started to turn. I feel like that's the that's when it started to turn, and that's when the community kind of felt a bit, or at least a lot of people in the community, and myself included, it kind of felt like now we're part of the machine. Now we're no longer this community. Now we our purpose is not to help each other and stand each other up. Our purpose is to sell licenses. And and I think it, I think it some, maybe it combines with the what's happening with with Salesforce just ushering in this this rush of as many people as I can possibly get into their ecosystem. Well, number one, to keep our, to keep, to keep our rates and prices and value down. Well, yeah. I mean, because logically I'm like, okay, well, why, why does Salesforce want so many people to learn? Well, because, well, let's, let's analyze that. And if we can be, if if I'm going to be cynical about about it, I'm going to be because they can sell that to their customers and say, yes, Salesforce likes to say this is you can do this with point and click. It doesn't require expensive or very smart people. You know, and we've got, and don't worry, we've got, Tens of thousands of them that are looking for a job here that Which have all, that have competitive ten certifications and hundred yeah. badges and yeah and and so again my point was maybe people are seeing this and thinking <coughs> holy crap I need to go ahead I need to double down and like find some way to badge myself with something that sets me apart from this rush of the the millions that that's that's plausible yeah but it's 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 also somewhat des- it comes across as, as desperate and annoying. Yeah. 
anyway. All right. Well, that's, that's that. I think we beat that horse many a time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go on to the second one. Uh, also anonymous. I work for a smaller Salesforce consulting shop. I'm going to have to add words here. And I am the only person on the delivery side who has development skills. Historically, we've offshored our development work, but as, as of a few months ago, they call me in to do it. My question is, do you have any tips on being the only developer? Uh, I'm primarily asking to get tips on communication skills, workload balancing skills, and any other strategies you would suggest for a solo developer who is surrounded by admins at a company. Um, wow, tips. Um, well, let, let's explore the the situation. So it sounds like it works for a very small company. They traditionally do offshore, but now they have him doing more development work. Is this, like a, this is a consulting type of company? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's an interesting position to be in, I think. Um, I, w- I would say just make sure you're tracking your, because you're going to have a lot of it, your pre-sales and kind of uncaptured consulting time. Because that can get out of control if you don't account for it. And and that's a that'll end up being a big cost that if you don't account for it, it'll look like you not you're not working that much. That's true. But, uh, and and let of- and let everyone know everyone know that because the problem is, is if you don't make that clear, people will abuse you. N- not not maliciously, they just they hey, I need to get I need to, you know, I need to go talk to you know. Well, I think this whoever is, this is and, and and get some help or whatever and and I mean the first question that this you should turn ask turn ask okay is, is say okay wh- um real quick which which project can I build this to you know which project is this because again I can tell them speak from experience like you know you, you might get many of these calls a day and they're all they're super distracting so if mm-hmm. you were you know deep in a bunch of code it's going to take you a while to get back into that if if you can even mentally get back to where you were on that you know yeah that day um. And so you're just going to have to account for it and let everyone know that it's, you know, it's your time is important. You know, you're, you're a limited resource, as it were. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, needs to be accounted for. Also, just also things I just, uh, I don't know even know what aspect they're looking for, but, you know, version control everything. And yeah. have some good tooling to help you out since you're a, you know, a one-man band, one-woman band. <clears throat> well, I, I've seen this scenario before, and I've been a part of this scenario before. Um, and one thing I've learned is that it, because it, it seems to be a heavy admin type shop, a lot of times the development comes secondary. The, the development is not a part of the planned implementation. It's it's usually because they couldn't do something in the UI or something, and they want they they then get a developer involved. So it's it's not this like planned out thing. It usually ends up being this ad hoc thing. And that's and, tough to deal with because you're later in the process, you have very little control over the type of work or how it's implemented. And that's a tough situation to be in. And it been by that point, 80% chance it's an ill-conceived solution to begin with. They're gonna come to you with some some bad idea that you're gonna have to talk them out of yeah. a lot of times. And I think that's important is to is at that point start asking a lot of questions. The how, when, why, and then why again. Well, and I also learned, and this is where you, I think you and I differ some. My the, the thing I tell to people that I work with on a on a regular basis is, I would rather be involved earlier than later. Yeah. Involve me earlier <clears> because <throat> I'll I'll just have all of that you know project knowledge that you guys will have been building that's implicit in your head and impossible to. There's no such thing as a knowledge dump or a brain dump or whatever. You'll have all that, and I won't. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you bring me in earlier. 
and not not to any extreme. Like I don't necessarily have to be on every call or or you know waste a bunch of time, but um, it can just help to, for me to be somewhat involved earlier because I'll have I'll just have more context, better context to make decisions and and provide solutions and suggestions. So I would there's a, there's a pro and con to that. There is. There as a developer, is a con. you don't want to be on too many calls. You need to be focused on building, and every call is a distraction that you have to come back from. Right. But if you're the solution architect, technical architect, developer, and project manager all in one, you know, <laughs> rolled up into one ball, then you 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 need that information, and it just it's for better or worse. It can it can really help you to to have been involved a little bit early. There's yeah. like you said, there's definitely cost to it. That's there's a time cost. But you're only one person. That's there is there is a limit to your scale, and if and you will probably, at some point, uh, at some points, f- feel that you have pushed that. You probably have. You probably pushed too far on on how on how far you can be stre- how thinly you can be stretched. Yeah, and I wanted to address that point next. Is that um, no one's gonna look at you and say, "Oh, you're overloaded. Let's uh, let's stop." No, you're gonna have to be the one to raise that that hand because what's gonna happen is. You're going to get a little bit of work from one project, a little bit of work from another project. And before you know it, you're on four or five different projects and you're juggling them. Um, so you're going to have to be really good about raising your hand and letting people know when you're over-allocated. Um, or to at least realize when you're in a situation and you have to get out of it before it's too late. Don't don't just keep grinding away because it's it's going to cause more problems. Yeah, Just try to know what your limits are, um, both time-wise and and just skill and everything. If there's, if there's a, you know, if you're, if you've got a project that's going to take you into an area of something that you've never been in before, estimate what you think it's going to take you to learn that and multiply it times about three because we're all over optim- overly optimistic on things. It's just- well, the other thing is if you're juggling, it's going to take you some time to get back to it. So padding, you know, just to be able to get your mental state back into something you're doing is is going to help. Yep. Um, uh, just the, the, the tax of, co- of context switches. It is a, there's a huge tax on that. Yeah. It's not just the time you spend on it. It's, it's time getting in and out and resetting. And did you see that screenshot the other day? It was like what a how a develop what a meeting single meeting looks like to a developer. <laughs> it's like it's just you know, and it's not just developers, but it's any any people who have the type of job where they have to kind of intensely focus. Yeah, you know, the whole hour before that meeting, it's like you're you've got this anxiety. You know, you can't get too deep into something, and you probably have to do a little prep for that meeting. That's that you've got that. Then you've got the meeting itself. And then afterwards you've got, you know, winding down from it, trying to figure out where you were. Yeah. How do I get back into this? Get my windows back arranged and just, I don't know. <clears throat> I think I think one other tip I can give, and it's probably going to be the hardest part. And it's going to be shut off your email, schedule a time when you're going to check your email, you know, either top of the hour, or bottom of the hour. Uh, because if you're looking at your email constantly, you're going to constantly respond and distract yourself. Same thing with meetings. Try to block off like a set time of when you're going to accept meetings, whether it's you block off a couple hours in the morning or a couple hours in the afternoon for your calls. Obviously, you might have to be flexible here and there. But if you can try to get into a rhythm where you say, I'm only available at these times for calls, uh, it should help you yeah. maintain some kind of rhythm where you can yep. focus for a certain amount of time and get some stuff done, and then you can handle the other stuff. Right. I mean, you have to have some respect for your for your own time and you know there there has to be some ground rules on how people interact with you. Yeah. And let them know how you want to be communicated with and everyone's kind of different. Everyone's better at different things. Um have some and and maybe your company already has something like this. Maybe this is already maybe you kind of have some good communication culture at your company. Most don't, but if you're, you know, if you do, you're lucky. But you know have um you know, have email be kind of a, a normal channel for communicating. If there's something more urgent, then it's a text or Skype or something. And if it's something that's, 
you know, if you expect some kind of immediate response or whatever, and you're mad that I didn't reply to your email, if it's something like that, then then you need to pick up the phone and call me or or come knock on my door. Yeah, you know, have have just some basic expectations and rules like that, and it'll if everyone understands these, it'll 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 be a happier place, and people will not be surprised in a bad way as often. Yeah, and I think one final thing I can probably share is is end your day in a reasonable time. Uh, try to get into the, the habit of at least ending at six, whether it's five, six, four. Try to get in the habit of starting your day at the same time. It's it's really hard when you've got some deadlines and you've got a lot of different things you're floating, but you will need that recovery time because if you don't, it's very easy to keep churning away and burn yourself out. Do we have I, any indication of how old this person is? No. Okay. No. I will say um, sleep is your friend. Sleep is very underrated. I, I know I've burned myself out and gotten myself to a point where I couldn't recover and I ended up having to quit projects. I mean, unless you're one of these superhumans, I don't think there's, I don't think there's very near as many of these people as, as what some people claim there are, but you know, you need eight hours of sleep, get eight hours of sleep. And I know it's not always perfect and you might have a kid waking you up or, you know, you just get anxiety, you have a hard time getting to sleep. You know, if, you know, if you are someone who, cause I think a lot of people have problems with sleep, you know, um, yeah. talk to your doctor or, or check out things like, or find something that works for you, but there's some obvious bad habits don't, um, you know, there's two things you should do in bed, you know, sex and sleep pretty much. Don't do the other <laughs> things because that confuses your brain. You know, don't yeah. get in bed until you're ready to go to sleep. Um, and, you know, I don't know, things like, I, like I take melatonin every night, which yeah, is a too. safe kind of non-habit forming way to put your body in a, in a kind of a, a sleep mode. But yeah, sleep is, I, I've, I've learned the hard way. And, you know, it's, it's funny, I, for, for a long time, I thought I could operate on, on a l- less sleep, but it wasn't until I was older, and I, it's so obvious to me now looking back how I was not only damaging myself, but I just wasn't doing near the work I thought I was. Yeah. I wasn't near as productive as I I didn't realize what a productivity drain that was. And, and I thought, but I thought I was uh, getting the, the upper hand, right? You know, right. Get, take, getting an advantage by sleeping less and working more. Yeah. And I just wasn't. I just, yeah, I, I convinced myself that many times. I, I think the health, the, the sleep thing is a larger topic in terms of health. I think taking care of your health, getting the sleep, you know, going for a walk, something, you know, you can't sit in a chair in front of a screen 24 seven. And that, that can happen when you're juggling multiple projects, you're, you're meeting different deadlines. I know I put myself in a pretty bad situation. I think with the long hours I was working, not getting exercise, not getting sleep, my health really deteriorated. Um, I, I feel like I've gotten back to something reasonable. I'm not there yet, but, um, it's, it's a tough thing to come back from. So, you know, try to attack that early you know, stay healthy. Yep. Um, right. You know, David Hanemeyer Hansen, the, the Ruby on Rails creator guy, he, he's given a couple of good talks on on sleep. I mean, he's got some interesting, and I'll, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but you know, his theory is that, a, a, you know, a good developer has about four good deep concentration hours in a day, maybe six. Mm. He's like, that's it. He said, he's like, and you, you know, of course, he's, he's very matter of fact, he's basically like anyone who tells you they're doing more than that is, is full of shit. Yeah, anytime I see myself just sitting here highlighting words on the screen, I know I've I've hit my limit. Yeah, <laughs> just zoning out. And I, you know, and I know we're really just spending a lot of time on this, but that's okay because it's our podcast. Um, I take a lot of breaks, and then I mean, in fact, you know, I, I've I re- I'm I'm so much more self aware than I used to be. And that's that goes back to when I used to think I could I could cheat by not sleeping as much. Yeah. I just I'm so much more self aware than I used to be, and um, as a, as a part of learning more about myself, I I take more breaks. I take frequent breaks. I mean, 
And that's why I, I can't, I mean, I don't even like one hour meetings, but these like one and a half, two hour meetings, I'm just like, no, no. Yeah. I mean, by about 45 minutes, like my back hurts, my knees hurt. I'm starting to, I'm losing focus. Like the people aren't meant to do this. People need breaks. Yeah. Mental, physical, biological. We need breaks. It really resets. And, and either you're superhuman or you're just not very self-aware. But people really fade. Yeah. And if you're running a meeting, you know, you, should, you need to be aware of that. I agree. Anyway. All right. Well, those are our tips. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we said something that helps well, or resonates or... or yeah. Is that, is that, is that, do we have more of those? Is that the, we have one more. We have one more. Okay. Did you want to get to that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, Also anonymous. Based on the following two, which development tools or, or tool or tools would you suggest for Salesforce developers in the future? Force.com IDE2, Illuminated Cloud, The Welcome Suite, Maven's Mate, or something else? Well, I would say look at I would say look at Illuminated Cloud if especially if you've if you've ever done if you ever used IntelliJ before it's a, it's a no-brainer. At least look at Illuminated Cloud. It's 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 well done. I mean, there's uh, the thing is about Salesforce development because you have this weird model of you you've got code local but it's not really local because it's got to be on this other runtime which you can't run in your system and so mm-hmm. it creates huge tooling challenges that no other platform has. No other compiler implementer or IDE plugin implementer has ever had to deal with this before. So it's just fraught with all kinds of difficulties. That being said, I feel like Illuminated Cloud has done the best job of dealing with those of anything I've ever seen. And it's it's really well maintained. Um, the, uh, the, the author, Scott Wells, is very responsive to questions or bug reports or things. You know, he's always releasing new versions. He's he's amazing, and he it's so worth at least you to, uh, to give it a look. Um, that being said, there's probably other good things. I would definitely I haven't looked at it yet, but the, the Visual Studio Code thing that Salesforce has released. Yeah, but I think that was specific to DX, so it's I don't think it's fully fleshed out as a development Maybe not. platform tool yet. And I haven't, you know, I refuse to to come within hundred feet of Eclipse. So, but may. And it's been a long time. I never liked that Salesforce play. I never thought they did a good job on it. Mm-hmm. Um, total half-assed it. But maybe it's been like I said, it's been a, it's been years. So maybe it's a lot better now. And I I know it supports Lightning stuff as well. Of course, mm-hmm. the Illuminate Cloud supports Lightning. Not so I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like that's a differentiator. They they both do. Um, but I know the Force.com one does as well. So maybe that's worth a look. The Eclipse one. Yeah, you know, Maven's Mate. A lot of people love it. There's a lot of love for Maven's Mate. Um, it is. There's no commercial support of it. There's no company that's supporting it. It's, and and the guy who was the original author and by, by far the biggest contributor has now you know basically said, yeah, not going to have much time. That being said, it's open source and there's there are other people who do some work on it. So if it if it works for you, I mean it's it's free, right? I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe the like, phrase. I guess, so it's, I guess worth, it's worth a look. To, to add my two cents, I, I don't think that any of these tools is, um, I don't know, how can I say it? It's not Tinder. <laughs> you don't just swipe up and, and pick one and, and go out. I, I think this is something you have to date around. I think I think my perspective is, is, is you got to try these tools out, give them a week, give them a month, especially if you can get some kind of trial and, and use them and see if they feel right to you. Because, I mean, this is the thing you're going to be using day in and day out. You need to be comfortable with it. You need to understand, you know, and then, and then, and then once you find one that you like, then you got to try to master it. Yeah. You know, 
yep. take yourself off the point and click, get good with the hotkeys, learn those hotkeys. Um, but I, I think I think it's a dating experience. I mean, I I I feel like I dated around. I feel like I you know I tried out the straight text editors and the Maven's mates, and I was really missing an IDE, and I was really missing refactoring tools. And uh, Limited Cloud gives us some refactoring tools. I know there's plans for more. Uh, don't quote me on that. Yeah, the two point two point has got I think a significant. But I think there's going to be some refactoring tools. Um, the other thing to look out for is is now that we're getting into Lightning and and we're able to do some JavaScript stuff like that, having an IDE that's able to support that, like like IntelliJ does, um, and I'm I'm assuming the Force.com IDE will too, is if it's based on Eclipse, it should have some plugins and things to help you, you know, do linting and all that kind of inspection and refactoring stuff for your JavaScript, and so. You know, a straight text editor might be good if you're comfortable with that. But if you're interested in, you know, some some productivity tools, you know, you know, to help you with writing JavaScript or HTML and things like that, you know, one of these more established ones might be your cup of tea. Right. Because before, I mean, it was just Apex and, you know, nothing could help you with Apex. But now that we're able to do some JavaScript, you know, we got some more options. I'm not sure we actually help this person, but uh, my, I will just, I guess I'll say, you know, my favorite is Illuminated Cloud. So if that helps you start somewhere, then. Yeah, and same here. My, I mean, my choice is is a limited cloud. Um, and and you make a good point, which you do have to spend some time with them because even though, even as an, ex, an experienced IntelliJ user, there were things that weren't super, um, you know, apparent to me about right. the limited cloud. Intuitive, I would I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it, that's just part of I don't know some of these IDE plugins. I mean, the 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 plugin architecture only gives you s- certain ways to. And inter- interact with the user, right? Yeah, and you, yeah. and you have and and a lot of these ways are actually um, they're almost like protocols, not I guess I mean, like a communication protocol between user and, and system um, that something like Illuminate Cloud can just plug into. So the build system, the run, the run system, the testing system. You know, actually Scott did a good job of plugging into what to the way those work in generically in IntelliJ, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of building some monstrosity of its own that that. Is completely a separate thing. What kind of like not not to criticize, but kind of like the way Maven's made is well, and, and I'm not criticizing at all because Sublime didn't have any of that stuff, right? right. So Maven's made had this whole like separate ID or a UI, UI that was right. a separate, even separate like the server running or the app or whatever that was. So yeah, you, but anyway, back to my point. You just you have to spend some time with these um, to and Illuminate Cloud's got so many so many different ways. It's actually it has integrated with. Whether it's the the navigation shortcuts, you know, go to a symbol, go to a method, uh, you know, c- command hover to see the definition of things, which by the way just got even better. Yeah, um, those are things you just you're only going to learn by spending time with it. If you already know IntelliJ really well, it'll and like th- because you're doing Java. I mean, a lot of the things you would do in Java, it just supports too mm-hmm. uh, because Scott's implemented those correctly. But um, if you're not real familiar with IntelliJ already, then you're yeah, you can I would say give it at least thirty days with with a tool like that to yeah. decide whether. It's going to take you a while to get set up and just get familiar with it and find out, figure out how it does things again. That I think, uh, I think when you the first time you used it, you're like, damn, I, I couldn't even. I, I I put in my credentials and it said it was pulling something down, but I ended up with nothing in my source directory. Like, what the hell yeah. did I? And it's like sometimes it's hard to tell what you quote did wrong, you right. know. Um, and it's just that's just getting used to the way again. Until way in Illuminated Cloud deals with this weird remote platform sinking coding thing that we all have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, it's also probably important to note, you know, not you don't have to buy full versions like 
you know, with uh, obviously the force.com IDEs, Eclipse is freely downloaded. Uh, IntelliJ, you can get the community edition and plug Eliminated Cloud into it. Or if you're a Java guy and you like all the tools and you use them, then you can pay the you can pay for IntelliJ and and also use the plugin. Well, so the you're, the the ultimate version of IntelliJ, the one you have to pay for, yeah. it also it's not just Java. In fact, a lot of the Java stuff is free as well. Um, the the this is definitely not going to be an exhaustive list, but the ultimate one thing that gets you—I realized the other day—is all those. Remember this? I was I mentioned in Slack that the data tools you get. Right. That's only an ultimate. Also, with ultimate, you get like, um, you get their you know, the web storm. You get their their Python, their PHP thing. Their you know all their web stuff. Right. You get you know the ultimate just comes with everything. That's, but that's not required for the eliminated no, cloud. Not. And so it's just I just wanted to clarify that you know. When you when you look into some of these tools, look and see what what the plugin requires. You know, it may require the full version or it may not. In this case, Eliminate Cloud will work on the community editions. You don't have to, you don't have to pay for that. Yep. Um, Eliminate Cloud is is something you do have to pay for. Yep. Yeah, I think it's like sixty bucks a year. Which you know, I, I honest personally, like I've always been a fan of IntelliJ. It's always been something I, I buy the you know the kind of the individual license, mm-hmm. which is which is cheaper, and it's um I, it's such a huge value for me. I don't question that. At all, and and same yeah. thing with Illuminate Cloud. It's it's I get such and please don't raise prices, Scott. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I, I get I, I get so much value out of it. like it's it's you know if if you are a if you are you know a Salesforce uh, professional and you're doing development stuff, um, it's it's such a I mean it's cheaper than a, a maintenance exam. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, it, yeah. it should. I mean, if 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 you find it a useful tool, it's a no. It's a no-brainer. And sorry, I said tool so weird. That was weird. Yeah. Tool. tool. I, don't, I don't know. For me, when it comes to to being a professional developer, I I don't I don't skimp on my professional tools. That's not well because the grand like Tiger it, Woods go out goes out to a discount no. store, goes to like Goodwill right. or a pawn shop to buy his clubs. No, he gets professional clubs. That's his job. That's what he does day in and, and day and out. And in the context of this is how you make your money. I mean, it's actually our tools are cheaper than almost any other industry's tools. I guarantee you my plumber spends way more on tools in a year than I do. Yeah. My plumber probably also makes more money. I'm, in fact, I know he makes more money than me. <laughs> Go into plumbing. Um, see, it's not like I can actually exactly you know offshore my plumbing needs to you know a third world country. Kind of have to have them here. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you can, if you, if you can be smart about about where you invest your money and and this is what you do for a living, you know, definitely look at your tooling, look at your setup, look at your ergonomics, and spend your money wisely. Look for quality because that's what you're going to be doing day in and day out. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't sit there and hate your chair. You shouldn't sit there and hate your keyboard. You shouldn't sit there and hate your tools. Uh, you might have to live with hating your language, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, minimize the things you hate as much things as you can. You control and things you can't control. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think if I had to pick a number two, I like Visual Studio Code because it's so close to Visual Studio, which I really love. Isn't it your base? It's based on a completely different platform, though. It's 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 based on the the. Atom so that's a compliment. Tooling. No, it's um. It's, you know it is. Uh, they bought something, didn't they? No. I mean, I know it's based on Adam, but didn't they buy? Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe. But anyway, I was gonna say that's it's actually a compliment to the to the developers because it's built on a. Yeah, it's, uh, it's completely it's built, different. It's literally built on JavaScript, the yeah. crappiest language <laughs> that has yeah. ever taken over a world before, and and, I, it, and it seems surprisingly similar to, to the full Visual Studio, which is actually built on yeah. an extremely robust language. Yeah, and when I'm doing just straight JavaScript development or something, I, I, I'll I open up Visual Studio Code. Sometimes I'll, I'll do it in Visual Studio Code, copy and paste it into IntelliJ. Because one nice thing about IntelliJ, especially when I do some JavaScript stuff, is 
I can do the JavaScript development in there. I can do I can do the Lightning development, or if I'm doing JavaScript in a static resource, I can create a bundle and it'll save it and post it for me and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes I just I just like the way Visual Studio feels hmm. for things like that, and yeah. so I'll do it in there. Um, but then I'll just I'll copy it and paste it in there or edit it in there. So sometimes I yep. bounce back and forth between the two tools. So there's things I do in Sublime that I <laughs> that I um, or Vim that I don't know how to do in IntelliJ. I probably can. Yeah. I'm just better. I'm not as even though I do spend a lot of time in IntelliJ, I'm not I'm not as good text edit wise um, well, as I am with as in, in some other tools. I was going to say there's some features of text editors that are nicer. Like I can I can collapse lo- different lines or I can split text into different lines and I can highlight multiple points and edit all at once. So there's there's times where I just kind of pop into Atom or pop into Visual Studio and do some text editing stuff and then copy it back in. Yeah. Because I'm doing something really repetitive. Or I mean, I some... really should learn how to do these things in IntelliJ because I know it can do it. I mean, its text editor is, you know, really powerful too. And, it, you know, it, it, and it's got a Vim mode and everything else. It's just um, sometimes you just, yeah. you know, you're like, and Sublime's, and that's why else I really haven't switched from Sublime to another uh, like GUI uh, editors because mm-hmm. there's really nothing that's as fast as Sublime yet. It's just still so fast to launch, to to open a file, to work on big files. It's, it's still, it's faster than VS Code. It's faster than Atom. Yeah. I, some, something funny I did, though, as I, I was doing some Visual Studio stuff, some C-sharp development, and uh, I hated the, the... I got so used to the IntelliJ hotkey for formatting code. Was it Command-L? It's uh, Alt-Command-L, Alt-Command-L, I think. Alt-Command-L, yeah. yeah. I reprogrammed Visual Studio to use oh. Alt-Command-L. <laughs> my, my muscle movement, my muscle memory, I, get, I kept doing that yeah. in Visual Studio, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to remap it. Yeah. <laughs> It's infected my and brain. I, I never know. Like when I, if, you know, if I pick up a new tool and it's got all its default key bindings, I'm just like, should I learn its world of key bindings, or yeah. should I, you know, should I have it use the Eclipse key bindings or whatever? You know, obviously, I'm not. I'm just using an example. Like if someone were to move from Eclipse to IntelliJ, like is it best to just learn IntelliJ's default key bindings, yeah. or should you put it in Eclipse mode or, or remap it to the way Eclipse does things? I never know what's like what's the right way to do. Am I going to regret like not just not learning the IntelliJ way of doing things? Yeah. I'm always having to remap things because I have global hotkeys as well. With actually, some of my apps have global hotkeys, oh, and I've remapped yeah. things, and now they're colliding. And I'm yeah. I'm like trying to do a screenshot, but it's it's like doing something in my editor, and I'm yeah. like, oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> you just deployed your source code. <laughs> just deleted it all. I wanted a screenshot. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just don't set up any uh, hotkeys to rm rf. <laughs> Yeah. And John, what else do we have? Uh, that's it. Well, that was those were good uh, emails. Thanks for those. Yeah, we could, um, we could end on a review if you want. Well, let's let's just take the moment to say that if uh, if you'd like to send us this type of you know question or feedback or just some comments or you got a topics for us or whatever, um, we like getting those and you know we generally will discuss those on the show at some point. Sometimes we don't get them get to them in the same week depending on what we've got going on, but we I don't think we ever lose them. Uh, but yes, send us an email, info at gooddayserpodcast.com. And we will not use your name unless you explicitly give us permission. All right. What are we on to now? Uh, we'll, we'll end on a review. Okay, great. Gotta love reviews. It's titled A Good Balanced View of Salesforce. Uh, this is from Troy F. in Australia. I don't know why I tried to do an Australian accent. <laughs> I can't do it. No. <laughs> Fosters, Australian for beer. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, 
I bet every every Aussie's out there going, the Foster sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard them say they don't even see it in Australia. Is that is that possible? I don't know. This is like it might some, like be like a completely American thing. And they've they just, just tricked like us. Slapped, they've tricked they us into thinking Australia. that Foster's is a, is a legitimate, you know, yeah. authentic Australian product. <laughs> but it was a good Damn ad campaign. Them. It yeah. stuck with you. <laughs> Damn you, marketers. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the reviewer says, as someone new to the Salesforce world who has come from another CRM platform, I want to talk to this person about that other platform. Troy. Fingers. <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Uh, I was looking for all the information I could on Salesforce. The podcast has given me the uh, the reality of the ecosystem without the marketing and sales filter. While it's not a dev, I found the podcast informative, and as a PM, I have taken a lot of things from the guys that I think that I think about when talking to my devs and running projects in the future. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. Appreciate it. Awesome. That was what I thought was going to be a short show, John. But I don't. I think we're just incapable of doing short shows. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna like start one of those uh, chess timers and see who who took most more time to yeah, talk. That's true. There's probably some fancy pants way that I could figure that out, but I don't know. That's a not but. that it would change anything. It's not like oh, you talk no? too much. Yeah, it's oh, not like I'm, you're gonna change. I'm. Oh, I'm quite positive I talk too much. <laughs> Certain people don't ever let me forget about that fact, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll just say thank you for uh, the gifts and happy thank birthday, you, John. thank you to everyone on Slack Woo! who wished me a happy birthday or or you know, click the beer icon. Yep, appreciate it. That's what I did. <laughs> That's the lazy way of wishing you happy birthday. I'll just click the beer icon. That's all you have to do these modern days. <laughs> I know. Just, just yeah. ping someone on Facebook or, yep. or you know, send them an emoji. Yep, it works. Um, so thank you. I appreciate it. Another revolution around the sun, John. Forty of them. <sighs> Crazy, huh? I don't want to think about that number. <laughs> and to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Oh, I love girls. Mmm.